I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello. My- <laughs> that was a good start. Ooh, it's a Let's lovely start, isn't it? Should we take two? My throat, then. Yeah. Probably will leave this bit in if I'm honest. So, yeah, uh... I don't know what happened there. <laughs> uh, hello, welcome to Friends with Friends. I'm Pete Allison. Here's Dave Crew. Are you a well friend today, Pete? You sound a I, bit... I, uh... <laughs> Do you know what? I was actually just eating like a chocolate cornflake cake thing, which I don't think I've had since I was about six years old. No. But, um, I was eating one of those, and I think a bit of cornflake was stuck. So, home, did you make them? Like, you don't buy those in the shops, right? You just make. Them no, no, home. no. They my like my boyfriend's been at a. Um, at, <laughs> it's going to sound like we're about five years old. He's spent today at a petting zoo, <laughs> um, with a friend and her child, right. and brought me back a, a cornflake cake from the farm shop. Oh, lovely. So yeah, that's 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 what I've been up to before recording today. No, that's fine. It's it's, it's good to have um, a bit of insight, to be honest, and uh, good to know what's making you cough. Um, yeah. Good to know the cornflake cakes are still doing the rounds. You know, completely yeah, still going. Best can't remember the last time I would have had one. Uh, should yeah. we meet today's friend, Pete? Yes. The, the sooner we move on from me, the better. Uh, it's it's uh, Pete. It's a first today. I'm pretty sure it's a first. I haven't checked, but I'm ninety percent sure it's a first. We have the author and campaigner Natasha Devon. MBE on the <gasps> podcast. I think this oh must be our first MBE. God. Natasha Devon, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Um, we're just really excited. It's like starstruck. MBEs. Yeah. Oh, Not really? Yeah. You know, some people say um, she got the MBE. And I always make, think that makes it sound like an STI. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a desirable thing. Uh, no, it's, it's fine. It's just a badge from the Queen. It's not. But you met the Queen. No, I met Prin- I met Prince William actually met, when I got mine. Oh, he's that's if it's not yeah. the Queen, he's the best. Yeah, exactly. It's the the best one. <laughs> I'd say even if it is the Queen, probably better. Yeah, she's a bit boring, don't she? But yeah, she's just an old lady, isn't she? Now, mm. but you got you got Wills. Was that where, where did you go to to Kensington Palace? Yeah, you go you go to the palace, and uh, a ludicrous be knickerbockered man comes out. You're, you're kind of kept in a paddock, and this guy comes out, and he takes you through all the various protocols that you have to go through. You're not allowed, apparently, to break eye contact with a royal like a horse. You have to maintain eye contact, <laughs> and you have to, and you're not allowed to turn your back on them. So there's all this kind of you have to walk backwards away from them and curtsy and when you're dismissed. But then when it's Prince William giving you your MBE, yeah. in my experience, yeah. um, he, 
it, it, he completely disregards all of that. He's very normal. Yeah, this is why I saw, sort of thinking it'd be better. Wills and Harry, you feel like you could just have a bit of a chat and it's kind of like interacting with other humans. Exactly. Not just yeah. like a royal. I love the idea that the eye contact thing with the royal isn't out of respect. It's literally <laughs> because they will misbehave if you do it like a horse. They'll kick off, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like rear up and kick you in the face. Yeah. <laughs> did you stick to the rules or did you think that you did something wrong and then felt, you know, very uncomfortable afterwards? It, it kind of all passed in a bit of a blur, to be honest, but I did talk to Prince William for a very long time, longer than other people, <laughs> to the extent <laughs> that it got a little bit uncomfortable. But <laughs> For you or for him? Um, for the audience. I don't think oh, for, for either of us, but there, obviously there's hundreds of people there because people come to see their their friends and loved sure, ones get yeah. their uh, yeah. their honor. Yeah. Um, and I was he was he was very interested in mental health, right. which is what I do. Yeah. So we ended up talking about that for about five minutes, while everyone just looked at their watches. I mean, it's not very often you have an opportunity to have a conversation with Prince William while you receive an MBE. So I say everyone else can wait. You milk your moment. Go yeah. for it. Absolutely. Nice, thank you. Um, how did you go about uh, choosing your episode of Friends for today, please? Well, I, I this episode was probably about the fourth or fifth that sprung to mind yeah. because it has an iconic moment in it. Sure, um, absolutely. But I, I also think it's there's a lot of motifs that run through Friends which are represented in this particular episode. So I think it's an opportunity to talk more broadly about what Friends teaches us about life. Oh, good. Oh, we're going we're going deep this week, Pete. <laughs> when I heard which episode uh, you're going to be doing, mm. I said to Dave, I, I I was surprised no one had picked it so far because mm. it is the, the the moment in it that it gets the title from. That's one of the sort of most famous scenes in all of Friends. So I was surprised because we've done quite a few of these podcasts now, Dave. Mm. I was surprised no one had picked it. Do you know, I think it, the series that it's from has an undeserved bad reputation. I think pe- a lot of people I've heard say that Friends lost its touch during it's from series Two, six, six yeah. and people a lot of people say friends lost its touch i i disagree i think it's one of those series that's got all those iconic moments that you associate with with friends in it so i'm, I'm here to redeem series six great fighting the cause of series six <laughs> yeah uh, you say it was like the fourth or fifth one that springs to mind mm. we, we have this obviously more and more as the podcast goes on the mm. people's favorites have been taken what are your other what are the ones you've that you would have chosen that you that you couldn't the one with where no one's ready the best yeah. obviously of course yeah Standard. um the one with the lesbian wedding great the one where everyone finds out oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. the one with pivot yeah yes that we only did pivot fairly recently actually didn't we Pete? it was only a few yeah. episodes ago but the others were all very much like the first few weeks yeah. of the podcast <laughs> yeah. and everybody tried to bagsy the one when no one's ready <laughs> to the point where we just had to be like right alex Zane can have it we're done we, we can't <laughs> we can't be fighting these political corners anymore uh, so uh, please tell us the episode you've chosen I have chosen the one with the routine. The one with the routine. Very good. Season Very good. six, episode 10. Here's the Wikipedia provided synopsis in case you haven't watched it recently. Janine, we'll talk about her in a minute, is invited yeah. to appear in the studio audience for the taping of Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve and invites Joey, Ross and Monica to come with her. While there, Joey tries to ensure he gets a kiss at midnight, while Monica and Ross try to ensure they get on camera, leading them to pull off an old dance routine. Meanwhile, Phoebe, Chandler and Rachel look for Monica's Christmas presents so they can buy her something suitable in return. Uh, I've got a couple of issues with the plot synopsis in the first place. <laughs> a, I don't think they're looking so they can buy something suitable in return. Yeah, I was going to say, that doesn't seem 
seem to be their reason at all. They're just being nosy, no. aren't they? That's their moral justification to Chandler, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but they really are just being nosy and want to find them and beat Monica. And yeah. secondly, I would I would take issue at Janine is invited to appear in the studio audience. I mean, she's a professional dancer mm. and she's very much booked to be a professional dancer. But we'll come yeah. on to that because, again... <laughs> There's some issues with Janine's dancing, guys. Uh, where would you like to start? I think there's, there's sort of only there's two parallel storylines in this one, rather yeah, than three as normal. You know, there's the one split. But yeah, should we start with presents or Dick Clark? Let's start with presents. Yeah, let's open up. Um, let's build up to a crescendo. Exactly. Gently on the presents. Right. So so this is the, this is it. Rachel and Phoebe, we are led to believe, do this every year. Yes. They're looking for the presents. I mean, yeah, what is it? It's just to get the best of Monica, really, and be nosy, isn't it? Yeah, they can't they can't work out where she has hidden them. Yeah. Rachel, who has lived in this apartment for <laughs> years, has yeah. somehow not noticed that there's a hollow bench. It's incredible. <laughs> that, that payoff is incredible, isn't it? The fact that she's and she, she sat there when she when there was a misunderstanding over the lists, didn't she? At that that moment where she first broke up with Ross yeah. for, for the yeah. first time when they've been together for about three seconds. Yes, sat in the window. Think, yeah. yeah, and you would think at such an important pivotal moment in her life, she might have noticed what she was sitting on, but yeah. apparently, apparently not. And just logistically, I feel like I live in what can only be described as a much smaller apartment than they live in. <laughs> and I know every nook of storage space in that apartment because you need places to put stuff. Do you know what I mean? I've got yeah. stuff in every hollowed out bit of furniture I can find. <laughs> but can we talk about Monica's apartment in, <laughs> yeah. in this episode? Because it is... With the best will in the world, it's a it's a big place yeah. for New York, but it's a two bedroom, yeah. you know, with a shared living kitchen area. Yeah, I counted four Christmas trees. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's Festivus Maximus. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and that, we only really see the main room. Was that just all in that main room? And there's one just behind the corner that you can see Monica's bedroom's door oh, doors open. The door, yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah, because yeah, I was going to say the actual Christmas tree itself is far too big and like exuberant <laughs> in its first place, isn't it? Huge. There's yeah. a Christmas tree in her bedroom. Yes, the, her bedroom door's open and it's just sort of tucked behind the door. I mean, that in itself is... I, I, I mean, I've never known anyone have a Christmas tree in their bedroom. No, you, you're doing well if you remember to get the main one <laughs> in, you know, more than a week before Christmas, aren't you? Never mind yeah. furnishing every room of your apartment with it. I mean, this is one of actually the moments where I do have sympathy for Monica's sort of, you know, obsessive mm. personality traits because... That they make a joke out of it in this cold open, but Monica's decorating one half of the tree yes. and the other guys are doing the other half. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's supposedly the idea is, oh, Monica, isn't she fussy hiding? But their half of the tree so is crap. shit. It's <laughs> absolute dog shit. Like, it's like a four... It's like your mate that went to the petting zoo today, Pete, decorated the whole thing, isn't it? It's like a fairy was sick on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like they're just, they've never seen Christmas before. Yeah. It's like, no wonder, you know, if I was Monica, I would feel very justified in banning them from decorating that tree <laughs> I, forever. I'm with you. I'm totally with you. I am familiar with the competitive element of tree decorating, though, because me and my like my sister and I, when we were younger, there would often be arguments based on, like, you can't put that there, that's in the wrong place. So right. much like a Ross and Monica sort of argument, we were very competitive over the decorating of our tree. But did it look like that at the end bearing in mind you were probably under 10 when you were doing yours the bit that I decorated did Dave the bit that she didn't <laughs> shambles absolute shambles so uh, so yeah so they, they they rope Chandler in very easily he's <laughs> yeah. immediately like hey we can't do that and then they're like well, what if she got something basically what if she got something better for you so Chandler's in. Did you notice what Chandler does when he first joins the search party? No. No. So there's the moment where Chandler, they, he's gone, no, we can't, we can't. And they go, what if you got this? And then Chandler says something like, 
you know, if I help, we can find them faster or something.、Mm. And then they all go off as if to like scurry around and look for the presents. <laughs> Chandler picks up a fork and a spoon <laughs> off the kitchen table and just uh, 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 off the coffee table, sorry, as if to like just look under the fork and the spoon. <laughs> like that is lazy acting by anyone's standards. But what I want to know is. What is Chandler hiding behind his gym bag <laughs>、oh, right. in his closet? I also noted this because, like, I, the, I mean, my natural assumption was porn, but he is—he's—he's he's, in other episodes. He's quite sort of liberal about his enjoyment of porn and not awkward and embarrassed about it. So, what what's More embarrassing than porn, right? Well, this is, the thing is, is their reaction to it is really curious. So, so if you haven't seen this recently,、um, Chandler discovers that they, you know, they do this every year. They've been through his closet and they go, "Oh, you haven't been to the back of my closet under my gym bag," and they're like, "Yeah," and then they giggle like schoolgirls, yeah, as if they found, you know, there's a sort of strange reaction to it where it's not, yeah, I know what you mean, Pete. It doesn't feel like it's just something a bit dirty or. And unless we forget, there has been a conversation about Chandler borrowing an inflatable sheep、yeah. from Rachel in the past, and nobody <laughs>、yes. had that reaction. So it's got to be something really、moment. out there. Yeah, that's what I mean. I can't quite work out what it is、uh, that's different to sort of like hidden porn, which I just don't think he'd be that embarrassed about at all.、No. And like you say, the inflatable sheep. What? What could? I, I genuinely kept me awake last night thinking <laughs> what it could possibly be. <laughs> I think it's probably, therefore, some sort of niche fetish item. Right?、Mm. Is it not? Because I, I think we can rule out. Conventional porn, if there is such a thing,、um, but yeah, you're right. I had I'd completely forgotten about the inflatable sheep reference. That is、yeah. one of Friends' weirdest moments, and <laughs> yeah, it gives an insight into quite what Chandler might get up to. Yeah, it, I just don't see Chandler as a very fetishy guy, though. You know, no. If anyone was going to have a fetish, it'd be Phoebe. Phoebe, right? right yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. The rest of them are all fa- fairly vanilla. I would have, <laughs> you know, the, all, the 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 most we get is Ross's Princess Leia fantasy. Yeah, you know, and and then there's the handcuffs episode, which is what Monica's grandma. Oh God! In the end, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and、uh, you know, so I would say probably Monica's grandma, second kinkiest of <laughs> of them all.、Um, but yeah, I just I genuinely can't work it out. Have no idea.、Um, they eventually find. What they think are Monica's presents, yeah, a stack of presents,、uh, and Chandler comes back in, and Phoebe's like, "Oh, don't worry, we found them," and they're all crap, and they turn out to be <laughs> Chandler's presents. So, to be fair, I I don't know where I fall on this. Where do you fall on this? Is our right? Firstly, how does、mm. Rachel not know what bookends are? <laughs> yeah, she's she's yeah. pushing thirty, and she <laughs> is baffled by. She goes, "What is this weird A Z thing?" And、yeah. it's like, if you don't own any, fine. If、mm. you don't know what they are. That's worrying. The peculiar thing about Phoebe as a character is that, on the one side, she's very open-minded. She bases herself on being this kind of kooky person,、mm. but she's also super judgmental. And so, I imagine being friends with her is like being given a hug and a slap <laughs> simultaneously. <laughs> right. So the idea that it didn't even occur to her that they might be Chandler's presents. Also, why are Monica and Chandler getting separate presents when they're a couple? Weird. Yeah, yeah bit weird.、True. But、Good、it、point. didn't even occur to her that he might have been part of the decision-making process and then has declared them all to be crap, crap. <laughs> <laughs> without thinking that it might hurt his feelings. Right.、So、like, why are they friends with her? Yeah. No. Exactly. She. You never know when, when something like that is revealed. You don't know whether Phoebe's going to support you, like you say, because she is open-minded. Or just、yeah. strike you down. She has that relationship with Ross quite a lot as well, doesn't yeah, she? Where she does. sometimes she's really supportive and interested of his sort of, you know, what is perceived to be his geeky tendencies. But then sometimes she just like slaps him right down. It's like you're an idiot. 
You're the worst. <laughs> and deliberately sets out to traumatize him by denying evolution. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. She's so mean. She really messes with his head, doesn't she? <laughs> and then basically this this bit is is a you know, this is basically the side plot to the routine to the, the Dick Clark and all that sort of stuff. But this bit kind of plays out. There's the nice moment where they get the chick and the duck in. Yes. Yeah. I love Chandler's reaction of, Oh hey guys, like a human has walked in. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Then them treating those birds as humans is is one of the nicest friends traits. <laughs> uh, I really like Chandler's line where Phoebe says, "Oh, they're good at searching for stuff. I hope, wonder if they could help us find them." And he says, uh, "Only if the presents are hidden south for the winter," <laughs> yeah. which is a lovely line. Um, but then basically they find them. Yeah, like you say, they find them in this bench that's been hollowed out. Mm. And then there's the whole rigmarole at the end where Monica does come back. There's a brilliant moment of physical comedy when Monica walks in through the door and all three of them simultaneously <laughs> jump and try and hide their presence. And by try and hide, you mean literally just throw, <laughs> throw them on the floor. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but they they must have calculated that to the second right. you know, to get it that Yeah, that sharp. timing was so good, wasn't it? <laughs> when they did throw them, though, I mean, all three of them pretty much just slammed them to the ground <laughs> and they are clearly empty boxes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. In fact, they are so, so blatantly empty that when Chandler is holding one it basically fucking echoes when he taps it (laughs) so this is after Chandler's basically persuaded Rachel and Phoebe not to you know not to go ahead with this Mm. oh we want to see the look on each other's face when we open our presents blah blah you know the Mm. sort of sentimental moment question yeah who is Linus who is Linus you know, Rachel says he. You know, he, Chandler gives this big spiel about how it would ruin the sentiment of Christmas, yes. and she says, "Whatever, Linus." Yeah, yes. Who is that's Linus? That's a good point. Who is Linus? Whatever, Linus. I'm opening even, mine. Yeah. I did not even clock that. Is that what she says? Whatever, yeah. Linus. Yeah. Right. How do we think? I'm we spell googling Linus. Linus. Um, the first result is a Canadian YouTuber, so I, I think Rachel might have been quite ahead of her time if that's what she was referencing. <laughs> wow. Okay, um, here we go. Linus is a cartoon character from Peanuts, the old Peanuts. Oh, yes. Cartoons. First appearance, oh, it's September the boy. 19th, 1952. The benevolent blanket clutching philosopher always has a kind word for everybody, even his older bossy sister. So he's the voice of reason. I see. It is an outdated reference, even in 1999, <laughs> isn't it, to be referencing something from 1952. But they do. I mean... When when things happen like Linus, you go, is that an American thing we just don't know? Yeah. Or is it just an old thing? And I think in this case, both. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of moments like that in Friends where it's funny anyway because of how they say it, but you right. have no idea yeah. what they're talking about. It's, it, I mean, that one, not not specifically for me, but that could easily have been a line that I, as a kid, would have said to other people without really understanding <laughs> yeah. what it means. I mean, whatever, Linus. And they're like... What's he talking about? Because you do just pick up those things, don't you? Doing this podcast has highlighted quite how many of those references did go over my head, and yet I just sort of willingly accepted them because they were said in a funny way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, There's another one, actually, that I... There's a phrase that I referenced from this episode, which we'll come on to later, which is one of my sort of most regularly quoted friends' bits, I would have thought. Um, But then Monica comes back in and sort of gets... She says, oh, no, you know, I can't believe you found them. Do you have any idea how long it took me... To find that water purifier. Yeah. <laughs> Can we talk about that? I mean, she hasn't been with Chandler for that long at this point. They should still be in a vaguely romantic phase of their Just, relationship. And if not romantic, like exciting and interesting. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So like in terms of, yeah, you buy someone something sentimental and romantic first phase. If not, just something he'll really fucking love. Do you know what I mean? Like, but we've never heard Chandler express a desire for clean water <laughs> or bemoan the fact that there isn't enough clean water. This is not an interest he's, he's had. No, no. And also, 
is it that hard to find a water purifier? It was my, it was my <laughs> yeah. other reaction to that. I thought, like, how hard was it? Just go to the shop if you know you want to buy a water purifier. <laughs> um, yeah, very odd, isn't it? Maybe this is, because this is 1999, so mm. maybe this is in the days before sort of the Brita filter was a, a big fad. I don't know. I can never quite place. <laughs> Do you know like cultural things become the norm? Sure. So maybe a water purifier was a big deal. I can't say water purifier very easily. That's what I've discovered. Bit of a tongue twister, guys. <laughs> you say it better than Monica. Yeah, water yeah. purifier. Water purifier. Can we talk about Rachel's terrible hair extensions? Yeah, we can, yes. And I will hold my hands up and say I A, hadn't noticed them and B, probably wouldn't notice them. But I not. thought Rachel's hair was sort of consistently flawless. I thought that was the, the biggest mm. takeaway thing from Friends. At the beginning, when she has that iconic Rachel haircut yeah. it, that everybody copied... Yeah. That was great. At the end, when she has that super sleek, what we now come to understand as Jennifer Aniston hair, right. that was also great. But then in the middle, she goes through this really dodgy hair phase where she has extensions that don't even match the colour of her hair. Lighter blonde, ridiculously thick, poking out of the bottom. Oh, now you say it, I can sort of, in my head, picture the weird shading, you know, like <laughs> as her hair goes down, yeah. it sort of like changes... What was that? And and I also remember reading in some woman's glossy magazine that there was a, a kind of hair war going on between Courtney Cox and Jennifer Aniston really? at that time. And that Courtney Cox always felt a bit resentful because a lot of the films that she was in whilst recording Friends required her to have short hair. Right. And she wanted to have long, thick, lustrous locks to compete with. I mean, it's probably bollocks. I mean, she, she has pretty terrible hair in Scream, doesn't she, Courtney Cox? Yeah, dreadful. Mm. Yeah. So, she, But she was getting cast in those sort of roles. You're right. They yeah. weren't the sort of... An Ace Ventura. Yeah. It wasn't the sort of traditional, you know, what you perceive to be the long flowing locks. Uh, yeah. So Rachel's, so we, we're not happy with Rachel's hair in season six. Is that the is that the general vibe? Yeah. I mean, the one where it looks worst, I think, is the one with the trifle. If you go okay. back and watch that, terrible. Is it? I'm Out gonna, of character hair. I'm going to really notice that now. And previously, <laughs> sorry. it wasn't on my radar. No, do you know what? That's fine. That's what this podcast is all about. We, uh, <laughs> we get tweets almost every day now from people just going, I can't watch Friends anymore without sort of pausing every four minutes and going, that was a weird line. Or did you notice that thing? Or, you know, I think we're we're gently ruining this sitcom for a lot of people. So it's nice that someone's bringing it elements to us that can ruin it for us. Right, let's get to um, Dick Clark. Mm. Dick Clark's rocking New Year's Eve. Now, <laughs> I have a quick point of order before we start. This is... 1999 into 2000, right? It is. Very much referenced. Y2K's reference. Yes. Yeah. Lovely contemporary reference there, uh, like Linus. Um, I discovered, and this sort of goes some way to showing the sort of depth that we do research this podcast. Dick Clark's Rocky New Year's Eve mm. wasn't on at the millennium. When when did it stop? They took a year off just for the millennium. Oh. All the years have a year off. I <laughs> know. Oh, well, they, no, they did a thing called, it says it was on ABC every year, and they did a thing called ABC 2000 Today. Mm. So they did a big uh, millennium uh, different programme, guys. Dick Clark did still do the countdown, but oh, good. just as a point of reference, I mean, they must have been livid because they'll have filmed this six months before. It's very interesting because I assumed that Dick Clark's rocking New Year's Eve <laughs> was a fictional thing. No. Absolutely 100% real. Wow. Yeah, I know. Um, it's, you know, the, the ball dropping in Times Square is sort of an image that I have in my head, but mm. I don't really, you know, obviously, I'm, gonna, I'm just getting up Dick Clark's New Year's Eve rocking. It's not a good name, is it? No. <laughs> it's very... Um, I think we it's, might be saying not a it good, wrong. Got a, not a good name to say. It takes a lot of effort no, to it? say it. Dick Clark's New Year's rocking... E oh, guys, I'll tell you what. So, 
not only is that, um, that's a mouthful already, I think we can all agree, but obviously, I say obviously, I'm clicking through, but I think Dick Clark's probably dead. Oh. Uh, yeah, it died in 2012. So now, on ABC and New Year's, is Dick Clark's New Year's Rocking Eve with Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they've called it. Can't that's they a, just call it Ryan Seacrest <laughs> Rocking Eve? <laughs> Can you imagine being the agent in that scenario and not getting your own client's name into the show? <laughs> Guys, the show's famously got the presenter's name in it. Can we just call it Ryan Seacrest's? What we're thinking is Dick Clark's show with Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> that is astonishing, isn't it? Wow. Yeah, so a real thing, and it's still going. They're uh, they're advertising the, this year's already. It feels like it's, I mean, our American listeners, I'm sure, will tweet us to tell us that we're idiots for literally never yeah. heard about this but and I'm yeah. fine with that yeah absolutely absolutely I bet, that, bet they don't know about the bloody hooting honey do they <laughs> <laughs> and their brains are poorer for it <laughs> yes if you are listening from the stateside and you would like to uh, look at the sort of thing that we do on New Year's Eve <laughs> just google Jules Holland's Hootenanny, is that what it's called? Yeah. New Year's Hootenanny or something? Um, it's fucking mad, but there you go. That's <laughs> what we ring the New Year into instead of Dick Clark's Ryan Seacrest show. Is it just is it just him with various different people performing and then a bit yeah, of, it's bit just of like later with Jules Holland, but yeah, then they do all yeah all the old langsines and all that sort of stuff. Which like which is fine. It's the parts that I find slightly uncomfortable in Hootenanny are the bits where he goes into the audience and virtually sits on someone's lap and go, yeah. and it's clearly not filmed on New Year's yeah. Eve, and he's like, "It's New Year's Eve. Yeah. Are you excited?" And they have to sort of fake fake excitement as they have to do Happy New Year. <laughs> Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <laughs> that is the phrase that I use all the time. <laughs> but yeah, you're absolutely right. I got invited to Jules Holland's Hootenanny once, and I couldn't Did go. You? And I was livid, but it was on something like November the 12th. Mm. It was like comically early. And I thought, I'm just not sure I'm ready to fake. Because your traditional New Year's Eve things are the fact that it is actually late. So you'd basically be sort of sober at 6pm Wow! in early November. I just don't <laughs> think, the, it's amazing to get any sort of party vibe on that show, isn't it? Um, so Janine gets booked uh, to be a dancer mm. uh, on this show. So this is obviously a huge TV show, right? Yeah. Can we talk about Janine... Ugh. As a dancer, uh, can we talk about Janine as a character and then yeah. as a dancer? Because <laughs> <Okay. laughs> so, the, the, the thing that so the other thing you texted me, Pete, isn't it? When I said this is Natasha's episode, is you said I can't believe no one's chosen that. But ugh, Janine. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, one of the worst visiting characters ever. Yeah. She just, I um, don't. She doesn't. To be fair to Elmer Pearson, she isn't given much to work with with Janine. She is just sort of inherently unlikable. Yeah. And mm. boring. She is a, quite a dull, unlikable character. Absolutely right. Well, there was a real opportunity, I think, to teach Joey something. So uh, what, what, the reason I picked this episode is because I, I think this is something that runs through Friends. And I've got four examples here, but there's probably more. Ross and Rachel, Monica and Pete. Right. Joey and Kate, the actress. Yeah. And Joey and Janine. Okay. Are all examples of a woman very clearly saying, no, I'm not attracted to you. I don't like you in that way. And then the man just wearing her down. <laughs> and I just think, what did, no wonder millennials are confused about consent. Correct. Because what did that teach us <laughs> yeah. about when a woman says no? And, you know, with, with Janine, it was an opportunity for Joey to understand that he's not irresistible to everyone. But turns out, he is. I know, and but and, and and it's so like you say, it's so frustrating because they flip it on a sixpence in this episode, and the next. So this is the first time they kiss, right? The end of this episode. It is after New Year, and oh it's, my god, the kiss with the music accompanying kiss. it. I, it is just like what, with, what's wrong with the music, Pete? What's wrong with the sort of mellow uh, rock version of the old Lang Syne so, as you have your first romantic kiss? It is if you haven't as shit, yeah, isn't it? That if kiss? you haven't watched this episode for a while, where Joey and Janine 
kiss at the end of it, it is accompanied by this really sort of droning, whiny American male voice singing a sort of guitar-led version of Old Lang Syne. <laughs> and the music is like, it's it's so disproportionate for the almost entirely meaningless moment that it's accompanying. Like, <laughs> yeah. who, I, we, it's, it's the sort of music that would go with a real sort of defining moment in Friends, like a yes. Ross and Rachel first kiss or something. Yes. And yet, yeah. it's just Janine, who even we know was not remotely asked about Joey until this moment when all of a sudden she can't wait to kiss him and have this moment when they even count down to it. It's just, oh, f- I mean, Also, music hell. aside, I've written in my notes, unsexiest kiss ever. Yeah, it's really the not. The fact that, that I know that she holds hands with him the first time to replicate that moment at Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's Eve. But <laughs> with Ryan Seacrest. She then, <laughs> with Ryan Seacrest. But she then does it again. So there, this weird kind of hand-holdy, like, five-year-olds would do in a playground. Right. And then when they actually kiss, it looks like it hurts Elle McPherson's <laughs> jaw. Like, he really, like, bites a chunk out of her face. It's also, <laughs> it's also the Joey countdown and... And then one of the, possibly the naffest line that Joey ever utters of, oh, I just felt like I needed a moment to get ready before kissing her. And then they have this really cheesy laugh with each other. It's like, it's awful. It's, it's um, there's no chemistry. No. Not, not a, like, sizzle of chemistry anywhere, is there? It's so, you can't imagine what's going to happen after that kiss. Like, you can't imagine them ripping each other's clothes off and going for it. Do you know what I mean? I would say this kiss, this particular moment... Yeah. Out of every episode that we've watched for this podcast, Dave, I th- I think it's the worst moment in any in episode. All friends, po- oh, is that too bold a claim? <laughs> is it doesn't feel like it fits friends. It doesn't feel like it fits Joey. It doesn't feel necessary. The way that it is produced and written, the writing is awful. The music with it is just generally all awful. It's watching it back is interesting because you can clearly see they've reshot a lot of the like close-ups on Joe. Like it looks like it's been pieced together out of a director sort of going, "Ah, oh, like Matt, can you look a bit more like enthusiastic, enthusiastic about this? Like Al, can you like faint? Do you know what I mean? It looks like they did a kiss and they went, God, this is awful. We need to really build it out of like block by block sort of romantic kissing tropes. You know, it's very odd. I wondered what inspired the creators of Friends to cast Elle McPherson as a dancer because I'm not saying there are no tall dancers right? but as a tall person myself yeah. tall people generally do look quite silly when they dance yeah. and that's why most dancers have a low centre of gravity yes. makes them look much more elegant exactly Elle McPherson a cannot dance. <laughs> Which is evidence in the, the only bit we ever get to see her dance. So yeah. the, the problem with this storyline for me is that it shows her dancing. Like, right. do you know what I mean? Every other um, episode that she's in, she's off to dance. She's off to rehearsal. She's off to do a show. And your brain can sort of cope with, mm. maybe she's brilliant. And then you just see her do, it's just like a weird shimmy with her hands yeah. and her hips, isn't it? And then this sort of bump and grind, which is not in time to the music. <laughs> it's... <laughs> she's clearly not hearing the rhythm of the music yeah. and just she just doesn't look like a, a dancer. It's, it, it just takes this massive suspension of disbelief because already your brain is going, that's Elle McPherson. Yes. But when other celebrities have uh, have taken part in the show, you, like Bruce Willis, yeah. for example, it very quickly lost that and went, that's Yeah, fine. very quickly yeah. with him, yeah. Yeah. But um, no, with, with Elle McPherson, I never bought into this idea that she's a dancer. No, and, and they make two catastrophic errors. One is showing her dancing and the other one is showing her dancing in a context where there are 
loads of other pro- clearly professional dancers as well. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's like the girl that starts dancing with, they're all actual dancers Although, that they've surrounded her with. I mean, she's not a great dancer in many ways, but... There are some really shoddy dancers there generally. Like the, the girl who is on the podium, yeah. who's not wearing any underwear. underwear. <laughs> What's that that she's doing? Right. So here's my, I've got a sort of, you have to sort of zoom out on this whole event. So, so... This is a big show. Janine's been booked as a professional dancer, right, to be one of the dancers. But yet somehow she's allowed to take three sort of friends that have no dancing qualifications along with her. So I presume everybody else. So Mm. it's a weird room full of professional dancers that they've obviously hired to make look, you know, well, not in Janine's case, but to make it look good. But everyone's just brought mates. What's going on? It's a, it's a really weird setup for a party, isn't it? For like a TV party. And it, it does, it looks staged and lacklustre. Yeah. And yeah, it's 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 odd. The whole setup is the odd. The whole setup's really odd. Um, can we talk about the, the, the floor manager? Oh, he's <laughs> like a dick. <laughs> oh, there we go. We've got a, a debate immediately. The case for the floor manager, the case against the floor manager. Who'd like to go first? Uh, you like him, Natasha. Well, I mean, I probably wouldn't like him if he was a real person. Sure. But I, I think as, <laughs> a, like as a character. You like him as a character. Yeah, sure. sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah he there. adds a lot to the episode, I think. He, um, he, has a, he wields a lot of power. Mm. Um, really making a lot of calls. And like some strange calls. Like, so he breaks up Janine and Joey for... I can't. I cannot put my finger on why that would make any difference to the show where Ross and Monica are dancing. Do you know what I mean? Like, why do those two not look right together, but the clearly unprofessional dancers that are siblings—that's mm. a good look. You didn't need the whole tall guy segue. Really I don't weird. Think. It, it, it's out of place. Yeah. Um, also, why doesn't he just dry his trousers Charles. under the hand dryer? Ten in minutes the under toilet. the hand dryer, and he'd be fine. Would yeah. someone really get kicked out of a studio for having wet trousers? Do you notice how he gets kicked out as well? Did you did you see this going back? The floor manager literally put his hand on his chest <laughs> yeah, and like bulldozed him out of the shot, like he. Like he was arresting him, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, for the crime of having wet pants. <laughs> wet trousers, yeah. Also, tall really guy. Strange. I have this. I had this um, memory association with tall guy seeing him again. I can remember being at Universal Studios on the Back to the Future ride, and mm. in the video that's part of that ride, I can remember thinking, "That's the tall guy from Friends." So <gasps> I think, really? I think that actor, for some reason in my brain. It's telling me that I noticed once that Tall Guy from Friends is in the video of the Back to the Future ride at Universal Studios. That's that is quite something. He's called Lex Medlin. I've just been looking him up as you said. Great that. name. Lex Medlin doesn't have a clickable through name on Wikipedia, so that's never a good start. Um, but yeah, I mean that just shows because that is a small part, isn't it? That is a real small part, but it just shows the power of. Friends. Oh my god, oh, have no. you seen him these days? I lie. He is on Wikipedia. He is very unrecognisable. As is he? tall guy, look. yeah. Is he short now? Oh, oh, he looks very different, doesn't he? Yeah, he is. yeah. Wow. I'd say, I, I think it's fair he, to say he's he lost... looks like a Republican presidential yes, he candidate. Does. He really does, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. Or like a sort of weird Doctor Who villain, where he's a politician but with the, an alien inside him. That sort of look. His yes. Wikipedia page it says that he is noted for his droll facial expressions and anything for a laugh physicality. Mm, didn't show much. Of those no, in friends, didn't, did he? Did he? Um, he was also once in a TV advert for a Twix. There you go. Wow. Lex Medlin, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just want to go back to that. So, sorry, we sort of got sidetracked mm. from that whole um, Joey grinding down Janine thing. I yeah. think it's such a good point because, 
I don't I can't remember how many episodes she's in, in but this is the first time they kiss and the very next episode is where they break up. Is it? Is it so, that yeah. soon? You know, the, epi- the episode where Janine can't, can't get on with Monica and Chandler and then they break up and she leaves. So it's not even like they needed to extend her storyline out or anything. They could have just happily not had Janine get with Joey, like you say. She could have found Monica and Chandler annoying as Joey's friend and right. roommate. And then he kicks her out as the roommate. Yeah, absolutely. It didn't, it didn't need any of that sort of stuff. And you're right, watching back, you just think... What a what a terrible message to be like. Just just keep going. Just crack on, lads. It's the thing we've said on this podcast a lot of the time about Ross and Rachel is mm. just keep going. Like the amount of times we've had a conversation about something, I'd say clinically insane that Ross has done. Do you know what I mean? And then mm. you go, but you know, in the end, it all works. And that sort of consistent pursuing of. Mm. Of, of the girl is very strange, isn't it? Yeah, you're right. What were the other ones you said? Mo- uh, Pete and Monica. Pete yeah. and Monica and Joey and Kate, the actress. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one can resist Joey. Yeah, it's so true, isn't it? He's, he's not, a terrible role model. He's a terrible role model. And I would say not much of a catch. Good looking boy, but, you know. Yeah, unemployed most of the time. Yeah. Not the brightest. Very much not the brightest. <laughs> what are you really getting out of Joey, you know? <laughs> Once his looks fade, he ends up like Lex Medlin. <laughs> Hello, I'm Jack Beaumont. I do Crime Club. In Series 1, I spoke to people like this. Did you not kick a policeman in the head? Yeah, that was... When was that? I was 17. Wait, was I 17 or 19? I think I might have been 19, actually. In Series 2, I talked to people like this. There was a paedophile with one leg. I kicked him clean out his wheelchair. About four of us... I mean, we battered him. And this. Cheated on your boyfriend to give him gonorrhea? Do you want to go there or would you rather not? Yeah, no, 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 I could talk about it. I have jingles like this. That's Crime Club, where strange people tell stories involving bad behaviour. New episodes out every Monday. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So that's sort of the Joey and Janine thing. We've covered mm. the kiss. We've covered the terrible sort of element of that. Ross and Monica. Mm. Uh, in the routine. So it's part of the same storyline. It's the same bit. We're still in Dick Clark's Rocking New Year's Eve party pre-record or whatever it is. Um, 
And they've come along because they are obsessed with the show that they've been watching since mm. they were kids. And they just they just want to be on TV, don't they? I love, 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 love it when Ross and Monica have these moments where they're really childlike, like when they wrestle yeah. or when um, Ross is spending a lot of time at the apartment because when he's first dating Rachel and he won't get out of the bathroom yeah. and she's yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. like, get out, you doofus! <laughs> yeah. I love it. it it's, it's brilliant the way that they do that. And Monica is my favourite character. Okay. For a multitude of reasons. Okay. Firstly, because she's so hot and she's never looked hotter than in this episode. No, she doesn't look good. I mean, in this everyone episode. talks about Jennifer Anderson. Obviously, all three of the, the female characters in this are supremely good looking. Yeah. But I feel like Monica gets overlooked. And um, for me, like, she's. The one. The one. She's the one. And in this episode, particularly hot. Uh, but also because um, I just relate to her so much. <laughs> if I had no self-awareness, I would be Monica. Yeah. Like in, in, <laughs> um, in his vows at our wedding, my husband actually referenced that I always make him decant his snacks into ramekins. Like I won't allow anybody <laughs> to eat out of the packet in my house. <laughs> that is an incredibly Monica trait, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't even have to ask where you stand on coasters, I imagine. Oh, <laughs> how hard is it to use a coaster? Pete, Natasha just physically recoiled when I brought up coasters <laughs> like like she'd been sort of bulldozed back by the floor manager at that party. And I also think, because I know that you've discussed Ross a lot on yeah. this podcast, and I think, and this is just my theory, and you can tell me if I'm right, yeah. where the tension is arising is that Ross, the character, is a hideous person. Right. Generally. Yeah. He does a few sweet things, yeah. but generally speaking. But David Schwimmer is an incredible actor. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. And and you see, I mean, so I'm, it's a name drop, but it's relevant. Um, I'm friends with uh, Pasha Kovalev. Okay. Um, and I just had lunch with him before I came here. And he'd never seen the routine from Friends. So I said, oh, can I get get your opinion professional. as a professional, you know, f- formerly in the cast of Strictly. <laughs> oh my God, to review the routine. On the routine. <laughs> That's amazing. And you know what he said? He said that he could tell from the way that uh, David Schwimmer was extending his limbs yeah. that he'd had professional dance training. <laughs> he's such a good actor that he makes himself look bad for the character. That's the level of oh, brilliance that's incredible. that we're dealing with. That is a great insight to the routine. One that <laughs> I've never thought we'd get. A proper Strictly Professionals <laughs> insight into the routine. Yeah, that's so interesting, isn't it? Yeah, and you're absolutely right. That is where the tension arises. Ross is hideous. David Schwimmer is brilliant. Exactly. And, and that goes back to, I think when we started this podcast and I hadn't watched it for David Schwimmer, Ross was one of my least favourite characters because I, watching it growing up, just mm. went, oh, Ross is awful, he's irritating, he's annoying. But watching it back now, I just, every episode pretty much I go, oh my mm. God, David Schwimmer's so good. There is a moment in Friends, because obviously like most people in Britain, I have seen every episode of Friends about 20 times because sure. it's always on. And I assumed it was always on in America as well. But in fact, I have a friend who lives in New York and she came over to live in, in the UK for a year. And one of her first comments was, you guys really love Friends here, don't you? Really? Yeah, she said apparently it's not as big a part of the, the culture. I mean, it is obviously in the, you know, the fan community. Of course. And there'll be certain ages here. that watched it and whatever, but yeah. Everyone's aware of Friends here. Yeah. You know? And it's kind of always, it's the background, isn't it, to, to everything? Uh, literally everything. <laughs> literally I'm, I'm everything. consistently amazed how many, like, young people are watching it as well. There's, like, yeah. 14-year-olds like, now, you know, uh, little sisters of people that I know or people's daughters and sons are, are all discovering it again. I'm like, this is, this is going to carry on forever. Forever. Yeah. But there is a moment that it doesn't matter how many times I watch the episode or how ready for it I am. It always makes me proper belly laugh. And it's the moment when um, Ross is convinced that 
Emily and Susan are going to have an affair. And, yeah. and he flounces into the apartment and starts uh, going off on this big monologue about how he's sure that he's going to lose his girlfriend. And he's really quite distressed. And then Phoebe, who is trying to work out what to name the third triplet, yes. is just staring at him and goes, yeah, definitely, I don't like the name Ross. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, what a weird way to kick me when I'm down. It's just brilliant. It's one I, I literally used that line earlier today to my <laughs> girlfriend, but I can't remember what the context was. But yeah, it's such a brilliant moment, isn't it? And it's yeah. such a the way all those storylines build in together. We did this one episode fairly recently, I think. Um and to that point where Phoebe can say that completely out of context thing <laughs> and his reaction is just so brilliantly done. That is like yeah. absolute peak friends. Um but yeah, so so Ross and Monica, like you said, they're mm. being childlike and you get this real insight into like their childhood, don't you? Yeah. Uh, from watching all this and what it must have been like in the Geller household, I'd imagine being friends with them would have been awful yes. <laughs> at school. Just really awful. Um, but they're desperate to get on this platform. I'm not sure they go particularly the right way about it because they the moment when they're dancing in front of the floor manager guy's face, mm. bit too much, I'd say. Yeah, and it's clearly not the way to go with him. No. He's, you can immediately tell he's the sort of character that if you try too hard, he's going to deliberately ignore you. Yeah, so you need not- to make him feel like it was his choice. Absolutely. One of those Not great at reading people. No, absolutely not. But they're just so excited. (laughs) And so, yeah, so it all sort of builds up and it just, it it pulls up. They end up pulling out this routine. (laughs) And it's so, like with Pivot, it's such a quick bit. (laughs) But it's such an iconic moment that you sort of forget about everything. But It's it's the the intense, it's the facial expressions Mm. as well. There's some like close-up shots of their sort of overly posed faces while they're dancing. It's just it's so, it's it is I'd say a, a top five friends moment. Yeah, but the time from them first mentioning the routine to the end of it is you know it's less than two minutes. The whole bit. It's just at one verse and a chorus. Yeah, that it lasts for. Yeah, but it is it. What I think is brilliant is that it's pretty much impossible for Monica to not look good. Yeah. <laughs> so even though she's trying to make it comical, actually she's pulling it off. Ross. <laughs> doing that routine yeah. is hilarious. It's the funny, funniest thing ever. And you're right, it's the intensity with which they're doing it. And you just go, I don't know how they got through that without corpsing. Like, how many takes? I, how many takes? Yeah, how many takes do you think they did that? I mean, how 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 off, how long would it take them to learn that routine as well? Like, I'm fascinated in that sort of the whole. You know, I imagine they're filming an episode a week of Friends at yeah. this stage. A lot of David Schwimmer and Courtney Cox's. Time must have gone into learning and rehearsing that routine. <laughs> I wonder if it was choreographed or whether they came up with it themselves. Just themselves in the bit, like like a secret handshake that they'd yeah. always done. These guys are just always doing this on set, so we better put it into an episode. So they do the routine in front of everyone, and the floor manager's watching. And then, yeah, this this bit sort of peters off slightly because they go they go to him and sort of go, "Hey, I guess we don't have to ask who's a bit." Like, they're mm. supremely confident by this point. Yeah. I don't get have to guess who's going on the platform next. And he says, "Yeah, get up there." And then the payoff, the punchline is that he goes to the cameraman, make sure you get that, because Dick will want it for the bloopers reel. Right. But we never get, they never, they never get to get do it. They never get it for the bloopers reel, no. The, the whole party stopped, and there's only 10 more seconds of the party, which is the countdown, which finishes after one when he shouts cut. For all of his, uh, you know, sort of slightly fascist way of floor managing, yeah. he's not particularly <laughs> organised, is he? He's not on it, is he? No. No, he's not on it. And Because I, I kind of, weirdly, I was like, it feels like a bit of a weak 
punchline to be like, get it for the bloopers reel. You know, like it just feels <laughs> yeah. like a bit like, oh yeah, okay. Like, but weirdly, wouldn't it have been better if the whole point was he was like, guys, absolutely, you get up on the platform, you'll be the next the next people on there when the music starts again, knowing full well the music's never going to start again. Yeah, you're right. If, we, if they'd have managed to, you know, that feels like he yeah. would have played that better. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, you're you're spot on. Sorry, guys. Why they didn't consult you, I don't know. Well, this is what I was saying. I was only 13 years old. I could have <laughs> happily done a bit of consulting. The song that the routine mm. is performed to, um, yes. Dave, we were let's, we were talking about this uh, over text last night. So it's it's one of the quiz questions, Pete. So let's let's dance around it slightly. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Wait, let me check the phrasing of the question. One moment, please. <laughs> one moment. That's fine. I have found the artist who is um, responsible for that song. Um, I won't say her name or anything. But how many Twitter followers do you think she has? Oh my! Well, so this is interesting, isn't it? Oh, wait, George, should I read like, you her bio as well on Twitter? I feel like maybe in the interests of discussing this, Pete, we should do have another first on this podcast and 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 bring a quiz question. Up. <gasps> okay. Wow. I think we should ask it now because I think I'm not sure I'm ready. We're going to be dancing around. <laughs> okay. It. So the question okay. is: Yeah, this was question five of the quiz. What song is playing as Ross and Monica perform the routine of the, at the party? Boys ain't nothing but trouble. Trouble with boys. Yeah. Do you know who's by? Exo Exo Loretta. You found her on Twitter I as mean, well. That's her Twitter that name. Is, <laughs> that is incredible. Is that is that her name on Twitter? Loretta yeah. is her pop that's star her name. artist name. And then yeah. Twitter name. <laughs> uh, her Twitter is Exo Exo Loretta. But I. Um, oh my goodness! Because I couldn't. I text. So I text Pete earlier saying, "Who is Loretta? Can you find anything about her anywhere?" I found. And, uh, I found her. Go um, on. So her Twitter bio is, <laughs> um, Lithuanian-born child prodigy. Singer, songwriter, pianist, animal lover, and then she says also uh, that she fights against human trafficking and animal cruelty. Good for her. Noble work, Loretta. Um, And she's, uh, I feel like career probably peaked with friends because um, she's got 500 followers, but I'm just scrolling back through. I thought you were going to say it's like, is it the Rembrandts who do the... The song, but, yeah, yeah, I yeah. thought because what else have they done? No, absolutely nothing. Yeah, and yeah, they seem to have forged an entire career. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate that Loretta only gets <laughs> twenty seconds as opposed to actually the theme on, tune every week. Every week for <laughs> yeah. ten years. On Instagram, yeah. on Instagram, she has twenty five thousand followers. Nice. Yes, I've just found her on Instagram, Loretta Franken Frank Frankenite. Frankenite. She posts a yes. lot of photos of dogs. She does. This is her Instagram, Natasha. Oh, don't scroll down. Some of the photos are quite distressing of animal cruelty. Stick oh, no. to the ones at the top. Okay. Um, that's a, a bit of a bit of a turn, isn't it? It is. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's such an iconic moment. And that song is, I mean, has anyone ever heard that song in any other context? Well, a bit of bonus information. That song isn't even from an album. It's from an EP. Is it? Yeah. So I, I, got, I get the impression she just made it as a hobby on the side of her animal rights activism and... And they, got it into friends. And friends were just feeling a bit cheap and didn't want to pay for the rights for something a bit more well known. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, by the time you're into season six of Friends, it doesn't matter what you put on. People are going to, you know, if you go to the Trouble With Boys YouTube, every single comment has some sort of reference to Friends in it. Of course. You know what I mean, like it, it's it's 100% people that have seen this on Friends. And I just don't know, I'm not sure how many original Loretta, XOXO Loretta fans there are. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, that's probably right. It's probably just cheap rights, wasn't it? But yeah, on an EP only. Great. Great little <laughs> trivia. So 
<laughs> this has nothing to do with the routine. Okay. I want to talk about a frustration that I have. I was trying because I wasn't sure what you were going to ask in the quiz. Okay. And I am Monica. <laughs> so I, I'm not I'm not saying that I definitely will get five out of five. Sure. But if I don't get a respectable score, then <laughs> I will be very unhappy. Okay. And so I, I was trying desperately to think of the things that you might ask me. And I thought, oh, I wonder what it says in the very initial scene where Janine comes in and introduces the the concept of what's going to happen in the episode. Joey is sitting on the chair that is at a right angle to the sofa and there's the blackboard behind him. Oh, wow. And I thought they might ask what's written on the blackboard. Okay. So I tried to freeze it. But of course, on Netflix, um, the what happens when you press pause is that you get this writing that appears above. So you can't so actually frustrating, isn't it? see clearly what's... But as far as I can work out... It's nonsense. It's it's words that don't belong together. Oh, really? Yeah, and it must mean something. It's like a code. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I wonder if we can get that up. That's excellent. So you did you didn't you couldn't decipher actually what it was. I saw they they wrote something like white stuff, which I'm assuming is not on the menu at <laughs> Central Park. <laughs> Let's hope not. Um, I wonder if we can try and get that up. If anyone, if you are listening and you can uh, find us a screenshot of that, I was trying to get back into Netflix, but that feels like a long way around of doing it. So it's just completely nonsensical words. It's gobbledygook. Yeah. I, I bet there is a hidden code in that. Yeah. And if there is, do you know what they're on this podcast, Pete? We'll bloody find it. Yeah. Someone will know. Someone will know. Uh, okay. Well, you'll be pleased to know that doesn't feature in the quiz. Oh, a few. It's a mixed bag this week. Okay. Some easier than others. Uh, should we start with question one? Mm hmm. What story was Ross telling the friends in the coffee shop? The story of the dreidel. The story of the dreidel. <laughs> and that's just another magical David Schwimmer moment where it's a proper, like, classic sitcom moment, isn't he? Right? It cuts to them after the music. He goes, and that's the story of the dreidel. And everyone's looking so tediously bored, but just a really nice I quite want to hear the story yeah, of the dreidel. Yeah, I was going to say, I did start reading up on the dreidel thinking, I was like, this is a waste of my day. But, you know, we're all going to do it. We're all going to do it now. One out of one. Question two, what was Ross's excuse for trying to kiss Rachel in high school? Because he needed chapstick. <laughs> Correct. Uh, yeah, again, w- weird moment that when you really sort of deconstruct, Ross just sort of went for Rachel in high school. We were always sort of led to believe, I think, that Ross really fancied Rachel from afar, mm. but never really made anything of it or tried anything. Uh, yeah, it's very loose relationship with what constitutes consent yes, again again exactly that i think we're all you know yeah. skirting over <laughs> if this, rosses if this needs saying don't just randomly kiss girls because you need chapstick, chapstick. yeah yeah there are better ways of getting chapstick <laughs> question three what does janine call dick clark's new year's show now this is tricky because it depends really is it dickin rockin dicky e that is to the letter, Dick and Rocky, yes. Dick and Eve. It's the only funny Janine moment. Yes, of the whole episode slash episodes. <laughs> yeah. And I also imagine if you know what she was trying to refer to, mm. which we don't as Brits. <laughs> so we're just like, she's just saying words now. This could this could be it. To be fair, the real title of the show yeah. is not much worse than that. <laughs> it's really not. It's really not. Uh, question four. Well, this is your final question, given you've already had question five. Um, mm. oh, yes, it is. So for question the full four. set... Yeah. What? I can't feel my elbows. <laughs> Are you ready? Yeah. What award were Ross and Monica given for their routine? 
honourable mention in the brother-sister dance category. Five out of exactly five. Right. Yes. Yeah. I'm happy. That is a full house and an impressive one. I really thought <laughs> Dick and Rockin' Dickie Eve <laughs> would, would, would trip you up. But no, absolutely well done. Very absolutely good. thrilled. Can uh, I have a, a troll doll named yes. to a two by four, please? It is one of our ambitions on this show to one day do. We're gonna we're gonna do some sort of live podcast at some point that yeah. involves an element of competition, and we're gonna make up a Gala Cup. And we've been we've been plotting this for, I'd say for over a year now, haven't we, Pete? In secret, <laughs> yeah. and it just there's a lot of effort that goes into that, but we will do it one day. We absolutely will. Uh, Natasha, thank you so much for coming on Friends thank and you, Friends. Natasha. Thank you for having me. We hope you've had a lovely time. I have. You also have your own podcast. I Natasha. do. Fact or Bull? Yes. Uh, with Keon West. Yes. Tell us all about that. <laughs> Keon is a social psychologist at Goldsmiths University. So every week we take a statement. Um, for example, gender is a social construct. Yeah. And we invite an expert into the studio to debate whether that statement is fact or bull. Okay, good. Ah. Nice. I mean, very similar to Friends of Friends in many ways. You know, we cover <laughs> yeah. a lot of the same issues, a lot very of the same severity, I'd say. Yeah, very intellectual, high sort of levels of qualification here. But um, yeah, okay, great. Go, go and check that out, please do, if you are listening to this, Natasha's podcast, with it's Dr. Keon West, isn't it? It I've, is. I've, I've MBE'd you and not Dr. Tim, which is very disrespectful <laughs> of me. So, But he's not here, so. No, exactly. Yes, yeah, screw him. <laughs> um, thank you very much. And uh, Pete, we shall see you next week. See you next week. That didn't make any sense, did it? I said, Pete, we shall see you next week. And I'm just a me. Bye. Bye. <laughs> oh, hello. Here we are, still here. Uh, next week, comedy writer Jack Bernhardt, who has chosen Jack. Which episode, please? The one where Ross finds out. Season two, episode, episode seven. seven. Yes, question mark. <laughs> confirmed Confirmed. Uh, go away watch it do your homework we'll talk about it next week and have a very excellent chat about interstitial stings and chronology (laughs) now there's an incentive to come back can't wait I hear you cry see you next week bye great pig